Hi everyone, welcome to STEPS audio channel. We are very excited to share our content from STEPS events to learn all about the latest trends in startups, digital media, fintech, future tech, and wellness in emerging markets. You can find us on Enagami, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure to subscribe to your favorite channel and we hope you enjoy the content. As you might have realized, I didn't give up introductions to these people because I wanted them to introduce themselves. Um, and because we are talking about a topic that is so close to the UAE's uh, ambitions for the future, indeed this year is called the Year of Sustainability, uh, I think this is a great chat place to actually have those discussions about how entrepreneurs and startups are actually furthering this discussion. Uh, starting things off with Elodie. Elodie, can you, again, you are the head of growth at Hub71. Uh, maybe can you just set the stage for us in terms of explaining like why is sustainability, why is net zero amb ambitions such a big deal for the UAE and how are you at Hub71 uh, furthering that goal? Of course. So, you know, when we are talking about climate tech, it's always, you know, between this dependence uh, about global warming and also the use of uh, fossil fuels. And um, when we decided, you know, to try to focus on a couple of verticals where we thought, you know, Abu Dhabi had a strong value proposition. Climate tech was uh, a real evidence for us. Why? And, and it's, it's funny because when we travel, you know, abroad and we tell people, okay, we are doing climate tech and we are looking at bringing and supporting local talents, you know, to solve these uh, huge challenges for the future of our kids. People are like, really? You're doing it in the UAE? I'm like, of course, you know? And they're like, but you're way of life and your style of life of living in the UAE is not really aligned with sustainability. And what I'm always, you know, telling them is that first, come into July or August, you will see that the people <laughs> facing the global warming are in that part of the world, not in Paris. Second thing is that because we are one, of course, of the biggest, you know, oil producer, uh, this is a huge challenge for us as a country, and I think we are in one of the best positions, you know, to be able to find a solution for ourselves and for the future of the industry. Yeah, I think you've just uh, made it extremely clear because when I have the same problem when I go outside and people tell me like, oh, just the UAE do climate tech, and now I have a great response, like, Habibi, come to Dubai, but <laughs> in August, you know, that, then you'll understand why we need to. Uh, speaking about innovations that are furthering, we have got two great styles doing that. Zane, I want to start with you. Perhaps can you just give us an introduction to Green Future Project and what it does? And again, how are you playing a part in this UAE's goals towards sustainability? Sure. Thank you. Thank you all for being here. I'm Zane, co-founder of Green Future Project. We are a one-stop shop solution for decarbonization. We help businesses end-to-end -end in their sustainability journey from measuring, reducing, offsetting all the way to tracking and reporting. So we're here to build um, our portfolio of climate solutions um, across our, the verticals that we support, which is mangrove restoration, forest protection, and renewable, mm -hmm. and help businesses offset their emissions and uh, reduce their energy consumption and uh, carbon auditing. Thanks, Lee. I'm going to come back to you, of course, but first, Denise, um, Arkarif. I got the name right. So, can you please yeah, introduce Akrif and let people know what you do and why you do what you do? Sure, thank you. So we're basically a company in the climate tech space. What we do is focus on coral reef restoration and other marine systems as well. And we do that by using 3D printing and have ultimately invented the first 3D printed reef tile made from clay. And we place these in the water, plant coral fragments on them and watch them grow and ultimately get a foundation that's stronger than anything that they've had before. And we're now doing that in Hong Kong, where the company started, as well as here in the UAE, which is our first expansion market. 
speaking about the market, I know that you have recently concluded a partnership with ADQ. Can you talk about that? Like wh what was the reasoning behind that and what we can expect from the general public to see from this kind of a partnership? Sure. Uh, I think the reasoning is that we don't necessarily want to move away from net zero, but on top of net zero, talk about topics that might be uh, might become a bit more compelling in the future. For ADQ and us, that's biodiversity and the loss of biodiversity over the last few decades. Uh, together with them, we're working on a coral, artificial coral reef structure, if you will, of about 40 square meters in size in a place called Hook Island, which is near Serbanias, uh, that will be launched on March 6th. And we will be placing our coral reef tiles there together with 1,200 coral fragments, ultimately creating something like an underwater forest uh, consisting of coral reefs. And yeah. we believe, and ADQ with us believes, that biodiversity is the future. And in that context, we're developing a framework in, during, or with which we can actually benefit better from biodiversity and boost biodiversity projects in the future. This is just one of many to come, hopefully. Uh, can I ask you to, like, maybe, again, for the audience who might not be aware of Arc Reef, again, if you can, please go check out their website. Really beautiful from purely, like, an aesthetic point of view. But can you talk about, you know, blue carbon and how is that pushing towards carbon neutrality? Um, I think we're not directly pushing towards blue carbon, but I think if, whether it's blue carbon or, or traditional carbon, uh, typically you need to do the groundwork. So you could see us as the architects of the groundwork. In our case, we put structures in the water to even enable or, or you know, give us the ability to unlock blue carbon. Blue carbon is, uh, is nascent, is not, nat is, not, is not developed enough yet. Um, so talking about blue carbon in the same sense as traditional carbon credits, for instance, is not possible yet, but we are putting in the groundwork by actually putting in the structures that will generate that blue carbon in the long run. And that's, I think, where our sweet spot is. Right. Uh, Zane, same question to you again. Like, how does Green Future Project work with companies or individuals also? That's one of the things I really found interesting about your website. It's not just businesses. Individuals can also participate in. Can you maybe detail that for, again, for the audience who might be interested to participate in these kind of initiatives because more often than not, I, I think I speak for the audience as well, we think of it as like too big a thing and we don't have a role to play. But, you know, that's kind of what you're subverting with the Green Future Project. Yeah, I think it's the core mission that we have is to simplify climate action. And that's our motto. So uh, we, our platform is a, is a software mm. um, and our our model is that we're a SaaS, so we have subscription services for individuals, even though that's available. Our main focus is businesses because we think that's where the actual scale can happen. Yeah. So with the different off-the-shelf solutions that we've developed to simplify uh, businesses engaging with sustainability solutions, um, companies can measure um, through carbon audit and energy management. So they can do the what we call the insetting, so to reduce their internal emissions and do their housekeeping. Um, almost like a health check of the company. And based on that, they can set KPIs in order to offset their footprint with both carbon credit solutions and uh, nature-based solutions that include coral reef projects as right. well. Although carbon credits and the carbon credit market is super important uh, towards reaching net zero, we also believe that there's a lot of nature-based solutions in the blue carbon space that are impact-driven uh, that one day will have the accreditation certifications to be credits, but... Uh, that are as valuable and as important. So we provide this portfolio of climate solutions, and our goal is to finance and scale these solutions through accessing businesses' CSR, ESG capital. So we're in the UAE at the moment, we've 
we have one partner that we're working with, which is Azraq for the Oceans. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have a couple of projects that we're working with in the mangrove space and the, the, the blue space to help with the auditing and, and certifying in order to have them on our market. Right. Uh, LD, back to you again. You know, we've heard two very different concepts, if you want to call it, but all uh, furthering a singular goal. From your perspective at Hub 71, what are the kind of trends that are happening within the space? What should you know entrepreneurs, investors be looking at when they consider these uh, projects, these initiatives, so to speak? I think you know to come back on the two solutions that were proposed here is really you know these two founders are really the example of why we are so proud of our community in Hub 71. Because on one side, you know you have Archerif trying to develop like. Um, hardware solutions to face this huge challenge and on the other side you have a green future project you know working on how for a, a SaaS model you can make this offset you know um, possible and as as simple as possible so I think the the what we are really trying to do you know in in HEP 71 and also it's how we can use you know the UAE to really bring that technology with us at an early stage, to partner also with the other players, in the case of Archerif, with EDQ, you know, we were very closely with the R&D department mm. in terms of deal flow and sourcing, uh, with Kizad also for the manufacturing side, and really come all together, you know, as one player to be able to attract these companies and to help them grow and really to go from Abu Dhabi to the world. So to be able to, to support this kind of growth, which are not, you know, the, I would say it's not the easiest, you know, when you want to target climate tech, that's not the easiest companies to scale because we're not talking about B2C e-commerce kind of platform, you know, it's much more deep tech, much more hands-on. And <clears throat> the time to market of getting such a, product, you know, is of course longer than uh, um, a B2C uh, uh, product. So what we do is that we bring the ecosystem to be able to, and I know each time I'm using that word, you know, I really hate that word ecosystem because it sounds such a busy word, but that's what we do. Companies does need in that field, in climate tech, can't rely on a two or three months program to scale. This is not reality. So what we are doing is of course onboard them for these kind of programs but after build the ecosystem around them with access to market access to talent, especially when we are talking about labs, you know, and access to uh, capital of course and investors to be able to help them grow for their journey. And again this is not a two month journey, it's several years journey. Yeah, it's you think about the long term and I think that's what makes this program or at least this, this platform that you're building uh, unique. I kind of want to get the audience involved but just to understand, you know, who who is here. Uh, how many of you are entrepreneurs working in this space? Not a lot. Okay, few. few. Uh, how many are investors or like looking to work with companies in this space? Okay, cool. Um, I think, you know, I see more founders here, so I'm going to stick to questions relating to founders and maybe, you know, this will be more of use to you guys. Uh, Zane and Dennis kind of like want to target you guys. Uh, take us through the process of, you know, starting up the company and, you know, the process of growing it to where it is today how difficult how easy has it been any specific challenges that you remember and you know how did you get past them uh, anyone can start zane if you want to trying to <laughs> locate which part of uh, uh, that yeah, journey to go just but the, um, just the process i think yeah. yeah so my personal background is in the impact space and it was more comms and uh, marketing oriented 
and uh, I met the founder and CEO, uh, Pietro, uh, when he was shooting a documentary on the on um, deforestation in the Amazon rainforest. And I was working with the museum for the United Nations on a project in Jordan. And it was COVID, and we all kind of met uh, online digitally, and we built our first MVP, which was a digital, digital product, saying, like, how can we create something that's so simple in the same way that, like, Spotify, you know, has a subscription but engages users to pay a small fee and support uh, the biggest project. So that's where it started until it evolved into the B2B model and the SaaS model that we have, because we realized that there was a lot of demand from companies um, and we wanted to provide the supply. So it wasn't something that was born in a vacuum. It was a, a bit of a journey and uh, also understanding the whole climate and climate tech space, I think, um, a lot of times when we explain what we do, people find it very complicated. And the, the reason for that, I think, is that because the problem is so complicated that the solution cannot be so simple, right? Mm. So sustainability is multifaceted and every single thing that we do in life and every vertical of industry has to do with sustainability. So every entrepreneur, in a way or another, I think with the use of imagination and can integrate sustainability into their model in a way or another. And I think that's where the future should head. Um, can I just drill you on one point that you mentioned? You know, because the solution is, or like the problem is so complicated, how did you explain it to people? How did you get around that particular problem? For you personally, honestly, yeah. So you know, on a per I, I think being in the, I mean, first of all, I think being on a stage like Hub 71 um, and being in an ecosystem like that, you're speaking to like-minded individuals, you're speaking to other startups. So there is, our business model is SaaS at the end of the day, so that's relatable. So it took us a while to understand how to break it down and kind of like reverse engineer it to something that's relatable um, in the same way that you would explain like FinTech, right? Yeah. Um, and I think it's, or crypto, even though that's not so accessible still to a lot of people. Um, yeah. So it's, it's just a matter of understanding how to, communicate it to the right audiences. And I think with the rise of ESG in the UAE and the net zero goals, it's becoming more and more paramount for companies and it's less of a niche now. So companies have a CSR, CSR is almost like the past now. So they have their ESG department, their ESG managers. It's, it's something that's more pronounced yeah. and you have people that are de dedicated to make sure that they drive companies through that whole journey, no matter in which industry and scope one, two, and three, two years ago was foreign to people when you spoke yeah. to them. And now it's becoming more part of the ABC of a company, if you will. So it's also time and knowledge and awareness. And this is our role as well. We educate. So we, we do the whole step back, like, okay, let's explain, let's measure, let's, let's help your company and create a culture which um, helps employees understand as well and, and make that sustainability as part of the culture. Uh, I, I just want to like, like the three points kind of what I got from Zane really is one, you know, make it relatable, make sure you, whoever you're talking to understands what you have to say. The second thing is actually so true. Speak to the right people. Don't spray and pray, you know, target your uh, audience if that makes sense. And three, yeah, take advantage of the momentum. Like you rightly said, sustainability is in the in the media space, if you want to call it now, people know about it. The key is to make it relatable so that you hook them in. Uh, Dennis, same question at you. Sorry, I'm just like uh, yeah, no worries. <laughs> making uh, it as interactive as possible. But again, um, challenges that you face uh -huh. when starting up the company, getting to yeah. you know the, those customers, those partnerships going, uh, maybe it'll be of use to the founders here. 
it might be a bit different because we started as a research project at a university. So yep. that in itself is a challenge because it's very rare that university projects translate into something that's uh, for profit. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for us, overcoming that initial challenge was basi basically the initiative of, of Rico, my co-founder, who decided we're going to set up this uh, vehicle, ArchiReef, uh, as a way in which we could actually communicate what we've done at university to the world and maybe spread it and scale it faster that way. So that was maybe one element of initiative that many other university founders, if you, if you will, uh, don't really go through and don't really approach that way. Um, in terms of... In terms of general maybe challenges be along you know along the way, it's very similar to what Zane was saying. So communication, I think, in this space is probably one of the most challenging parts because when you look at the SaaS space or you look at these uh, you know these industries that have been around for quite a while, they've matured so much that they find it somewhat easier to communicate to their clients. They understand exactly what the benefits are and they can communicate them well. We actually sometimes don't know what the benefits are mm. because the benefits are somewhere down the line. I would imagine that's the same for uh, Zane and, and Green Future Project, but we in particular don't necessarily always know what the direct benefits will be in years to come. So it makes it harder to communicate that to clients. And the way we overcame it is that maybe moving away from a mindset of selling a solution and selling something that would be like, a, say, a SaaS solution to going and selling a vision and making people buy into the story, making people buy into the vision, yeah. and maybe making them understand that by investing in this or by being part of this, you will reap the re rewards in the future and you, you'll reap some incredible rewards. You just have to believe that this is the journey that you want to go on. Mm. And I think that might, be, that might have been a bit of a mindset change and helped us along the way of, of uh, signing up more and more customers in that sense. Yeah, I mean, again, a great little tidbit that I would keep in mind now is like, yeah, stop selling the solution, sell the vision. It's such a good line, honestly. And I think more entrepreneurs, not just in the climate tech space, uh, would be wise to take that into consideration. I think we are running out of time, and I would like to bring in questions. So if you have questions, just raise your hands. But before we go to the questions, Elodie, back at you. Um, again, I know that Hub71 is doing a lot for entrepreneurs, not just in the climate tech space, but of course, in a lot of different, uh, in a lot of different industries. Again, speaking to the climate tech entrepreneurs here, what, what does Hub71 offer? What do you expect to see from them you know, who wish to be part of this, this bubble or this ecosystem? Sorry, I don't want to use the word ecosystem, but you know, that ecosystem you've created. What do you expect to see from them? How will you support you know, next 10, 20 founders that are coming through? So what we did in the last months was to start to focus a little bit more on the deal flow, um, bringing to Abu Dhabi, you know, like uh, climate tech companies. What we are currently cooking is to see how to replicate what has been launched a couple of um, uh, weeks ago around digital assets is to bring, you know, a very specific ecosystem around climate tech. But climate tech, even enough, is a very broad name, you know, and it tackles a lot of different uh, sub-subjects and sub-sectors. So we are currently looking at what is the offering in the, in the UAE market to see what will be the strongest value proposition and which kind of companies we should, uh, we should attract. What I wanted to say also is that when you want to touch um, and, and get these companies scaling in climate tech, you know, I think a point Denis was mentioning, it's very related to deep tech. Mm. And the point is that, again, it's been a very busy word, but you don't have a lot of uh, hubs in the region who knows how to tackle deep tech and especially being able to support, you know, this transition from R&D labs to a profitable and commercial business. Yeah. And after the next step, which is maybe the, the, the most difficult one, is how 
um, you can really try to work and try to disrupt, you know, these kind of different highly regulated industries and vertical, which are owned by a couple of huge players within the industry who doesn't want to see the disruption coming too fast, you know, because they are afraid, because they don't want to kill their, their milk cow. And that's why, you know, to have this knowledge and to have this ecosystem of partners and after backed by the right investors also, because you don't invest in climate tech like you invest in, um, in uh, again, in a B2C SaaS commerce. You know, you need like advisors, tech advisors who knows the field. So that's what we want to build in Abu Dhabi, bringing some of the uh, international experts in that field to come and work with us. I think COP28, we didn't mention it, but of course will be an amazing platform for us uh, and for the country, you know, quite like what we are doing and bringing, of course, more founders into that field. All right. Uh, with that said, I'm going to get it questions in. Anyone with a question, just raise your hand. We'll get a mic to you. Anyone? Founders, this is your opportunity. Uh, I'm, Anybody I'm has to... a question? Sorry, yeah. I was chatting backstage. I didn't realize. This is your that. chance to make this session work for you. So feel free to ask questions. There's no question as a dumb question, I like to say. So yeah, make it for me. There you go. Over there. First question. Wonderful. Introduce yourself. Tell us what your company does and then go for your question. I didn't want it to be a public question, but now it is. <laughs> there you go. Uh, my name is Yara Essin. I'm co-founder of Upfuse. Uh, we're a social enterprise. We've been in business since 2013. We collect plastic bags, plastic bottles, and car tires and turn them into fashion items, uh, like the bag I'm wearing. And we do this with uh, social communities. This one is made from 25 plastic bags. And we do this with the communities and women communities in need, especially in, um, in Egypt, that need uh, green jobs. Mm -hmm. I hate the word green jobs, but that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my question for you, um, Elodine, is um, you're talking about green tech, and uh, we're doing a green product, and we've been waiting for this moment for a very long time. I mean. Since 2013, when you, when you tell someone that you're collecting plastics and creating fashion out of it was something so visionary. And in 2017, it's starting hyping. And we've been the official uh, producers for uh, the giveaways for COP27, uh, for example, and so many more. And now you're saying green tech. Uh, th does this mean that the, let's say, green products will not be as attractive? I don't think that we can say that they are not attractive. What is true is that because you're mixing two things. On one side, it's true, it's the, the green aspect of your, of your product. But on the other side also is the social impact entrepreneurs. I think this has always been, you know, um, a trend and a notion which has been very, very near to the UAE half. Um, because we saw a lot of, especially with Expo, also a lot of initiatives around social impact entrepreneurs. I think also that when we look at the countries which are surrounding the UAE, you know, uh, we are very blessed to be in a very mature economy and a very stable to, to live and grow and raise our kids in a very stable economy. But we should not forget to give back. 
around us. And that's why I think we can leverage, you know, the amazing different platforms and hubs, tech hubs. The UE is uh, creating and also developing to be able to support, you know, uh, the entrepreneurs from these uh, different countries. So no, uh, definitely, I think it's much more positive than that. And, uh, and again, as I was saying, I think COP28 will bring a phenomenal highlight on these new subjects. We'll have all the different experts of the world, you know, coming to uh, Dubai and Abu Dhabi to be with us. So it will be definitely a great time for this kind of projects. Yeah. I, I just want to add, by the way, there are plenty of programs in this space. You know, check out C3 Pepsi is coming up with the Greenhouse Accelerator program. Apply. There are programs to support you. So, yeah, it's just a question of applying, making yourself known there. So I think there's I, another question over there. There's a question here. Yep. Yeah. There's yeah. a microphone already. Can yeah. You, oh, yes. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm Jack Jendo. I'm founder of Brain Digits. Um, I worked with many international organizations and companies to try to scale from focusing on profit and uh, customers to focusing on the social impact that they are making. But I had a challenge here um, when I was talking with all the startups and uh, entrepreneurs. Um, actually, they are lacking the vision where um, we can understand how we can uh, do the social impact and focus on it while we are busy, you know, trying to fund our business and get more profit. So every time I ask this question, why do you exist and why are you doing what you do? I, I only hear that, yeah, we are, you know, sharing our profit with, to make social impact. And that is not the, the point, right? And now we have the term social, uh, startups or social companies or social enterprises that is, you know, making it like it's an NGO, but we we have the business model. What I want to say that there's, um, and also a question that would be great because I couldn't convince many of the startups to focus on the social impact and then the profit and the success will come later, is how can we, what is the like trigger point to go from really focusing on the profit and customers and make funds? I mean, that is only, even with NGOs, you know, we're focusing on the funds. What is your main challenge? I want fund. But why do you exist? You don't exist because you make fund, you want to make fund or you to, to make profit, right? You exist because you wanted to change something. So what is the trigger point to change all of this? Because I really need help. And I have a speaking session tomorrow about that and the workshop. And I, yeah, I can convince them during the workshop, but later on we'll go back to our offices and keep focusing on the profit again, customers. And we miss that beautiful and yeah, that you mentioned. It's really amazing when you combine all these stuff together. Thank you. That's uh, a tough question. Yeah. But, yeah. Zane, do you want <laughs> yeah. to take this? Yeah. Sorry, I'm going to give it to Zane. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think something that's very important, like if people ask us why we exist, we, we exist to simplify climate action. But at the end of the day, I think we need to shift this perspective that doing good should be good for its own self and businesses, its own business as usual, and there should be a combined approach. I think sustainability and sustainable businesses need to be profitable. And for them to scale and change, they need to combine the best practices of business and integrate that into doing good. So these two things are aligned. And this way, you can ensure that companies can grow, the impact can grow, and it won't be a perfect model, but I think this is the impact-driven model to the future. I don't think it should be doing good for its goods. That, that doesn't work anymore. And that's why, for example, our role is to scale the NGOs because the NGOs 
even though they're doing amazing work for decades now, um, are not getting access to capital because their business model doesn't rely on making money. Um, so I think shifting the perspective to sustainability must be profitable, um, should be at the core of every impact-driven business today and in the future. That's my take on it. Uh, Denise, you want to add? Uh, quickly, otherwise, okay, because sure. I have one more question, I can oh, only okay. allow let's one. Go to the question. Okay. Yeah, let's go to the question. Sorry. Here you go. Hello everyone, this is Stefano. I'm the founder of Limitless Innovation. We, ma we mainly work with um, the largest luxury brand around the world, including Armani, Bulgari, Valentino, all of them. So we are active in uh, open innovation, mainly in circularity and metaverse. So I have a question and an offer. I, I saw your LinkedIn. Uh, I'm also the ambassador worldwide for One Ocean Foundation. There is a big project going on in Sardinia. I will connect with them because I think your solution will be great for them. And do this totally for pro bono, so please connect it to me. And then a uh, great solution, uh, I would love to work with you. We're going to organize a big security innovation event in Florence with the largest uh, brands in the world uh, September. I would like to come invite you as a speaker. Thank you. Uh, because you're a great solution, really great visionary. Congrats for the panel. And then I have a question. Uh, uh, I checked recently Hub 71. Great vision, great energy, great investment power. Uh, what's your role in the metaverse and how actually you can support international scale-up metaverse company going also into security, specifically in fashion luxury, if you have somehow mapped this uh, interaction? I love this because this is full circle for us. So just so you know, we were, on a <laughs> we were together on stage just three or four days ago talking about this. So yeah. Elodie, go for it. <laughs> so, first, thank you. And thank you also for like, bringing opportunities to our community. Uh, second, yes, Metaverse. So what we are currently building for Hub71, as I was saying, is to focus on a couple of verticals where we think the very proposition is in Abu Dhabi. And one of them that we launched a couple of um, days ago was around digital assets. How you can use blockchain. So, of course, when we say digital assets, you know, everyone is thinking about crypto. No, what we want to do is really to see how we can use blockchain, which is like an incredible technology, you know, on the safety side, to see how we can test it for real use cases that we have inside the industry in Abu Dhabi. So that could be interesting to see how we can leverage some of our existing uh, community members to see how they can um, um, put some of their offering into the metaverse. That could be definitely uh, an interest. So we can connect afterwards if you want, and we can have a follow-up discussion to to be a bit more like uh, precise on what we can do together. Okay, thank sure. you so much. Thank you so much. We have to stop because people are tapping on my <laughs> shoulder. So thank you all for the questions. We'll be coming out. So please, thank you everyone. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. You can find our content on Anrami, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Follow us on social media at Step Conference and let's stay in touch.